welcome back to the podcast, The Vantage Point. It is a brand new year. We are excited. Brody, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Love it. Big 2024. Big, big 2024. <laughs> Restart that. There we go. All right. So 2024. I got Brody Thomas to my left across up, from me. Give it up for Christopher Rice. What is would, up? Do we have an applause? Uh, yeah, but they're not on. Oh. Yeah. There it is. Ah, there it is. Christopher Rice in the house. What is up? Was that a shot That was clock? a buzzer at the end. There it is. Christopher, how you doing, bro? Good, and you? I'm doing great. About to dive into a podcast. We love it. So, Christopher, did you enjoy your break? Yeah, I didn't really do much. Yeah, that's okay. I feel like that's the uh, theme of That's many, what you should do. Many a student in life. Like, you have a break from school and everything crazy. Take your time, you know? It's called a break Play some for video games. Reason. Yep. Do nothing. Anyway. Good stuff. Diving in. What? does today look like? Today, we're talking about something that I'm incredibly passionate about and also something that coming off passion uh, conference and coming out of all sorts of conferences that people are going to be going to, attending, strength to stand, whatever, winter extreme, all the different student ministry things, but also for adults as well. A, a topic that always comes to my mind when we start going to these conferences and hearing evangelists specifically, and that is the conversation of accepting Jesus into your heart. Oh, yeah. Today, I want to break down the theology behind do we accept Jesus into our heart and how do we biblically approach this understanding of salvation when we place our faith and trust in Christ as our Savior and Lord. And so that's what today's going to look like. We're going to dive right into it. Hopefully, you enjoy. All right. So since we're going to be talking about that topic, Jake, the first thing I want to, off the top of my mind, is why. Like, what do you mean when you say that? Like, why should I not accept Jesus? Like, what is the... So before we even dive into the, the question of why we should or shouldn't, I think it's a reality of understanding, um, is it acceptable to say the phrase, accept Jesus? Yeah. Now, I would argue, based on, you know, David Platt, I listened to a sermon that he gave, and this is what really changed and shaped how I understood this. He basically said that it is unbiblical to say that we accept Jesus. And here was his defense. Here's what his argument was. All throughout Scripture, you never see the language of accepting Jesus. The only language, in fact, that we see in Scripture is that we place our faith and our trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord, or my favorite, you follow Jesus, right? This makes this decision to follow Jesus. We see that with the disciples, whether the apostles or whether it's one of the other disciples that make these decisions to follow him. Yeah. We see that with Paul. I mean, we see that all throughout Scripture. You catch me like kind of like similar. Yeah, you went like... It was kind of <laughs> awful. Anyway, hearing about that. So when we understand this, we've got to be biblical when it comes to how we even talk about our relationship with Jesus. You, if you accept Jesus, let's break that down a little bit more. Who's in the, the driver's seat? when you make the statement, I accept Jesus into my heart? Well, the, I mean, what's the beginning of that phrase? I mean, you tell me. Christopher, I. what's the beginning? He's in the driver's seat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I. I, yeah, I accepted Christ. That's right. So you're, you're taking the power out of what Jesus is doing, like what that actually means for you. I think we often get... It's the way we've culturalized it. Yeah. Because it sounds great to say when you're at, you know, Passion, for example, and you have 55,000 college students there, and you may have people who don't believe in Jesus. How many people have accepted 
accepted yeah, it's Jesus. like raise your hand if you want to accept Christ. Like my favorite part is every year at Passion, and I look guys, I think Passion is great. I think you should go experience it. The worship alone is worth the ticket. The my every year though, there without a fail, there's always this one thing where it's like stand up if you're ready to say yes to Jesus tonight. It's like well yeah, I'm gonna. I say yes to Jesus every single day. Well, I don't think passion's unique to that. I think that's a no. lot of conferences, a lot of church things. Absolutely. Churches, conferences, retreats, retreats student camps. There's a lot of emotion that goes into that too, which is, again, this is why when we have this conversation, we've really got to unpack it because words matter. So when I say something, it matters because people take it literally or they take it within a cultural understanding. And so when we start saying, okay, you have to accept Jesus, well, one, yes, you're in control. You're the one doing the work. And it also paints a picture of who Jesus is. Right. He's one begging for your acceptance. When in reality, if we look to Scripture, all throughout the thread of the New Testament, we see people are knocking at the door of Christ, begging, knocking. Revelation would tell us that, that there are those knocking at the door, begging to get in, and Jesus would say, I don't know you. So there's not this position of control that people have over Jesus. It, it, it is very much a submission to his authority and his control. And so that whole phraseology of accepting Jesus, it's, it's just not biblical. So why does that matter? That, that's the reality. Like, why, why does this frustrate Jake? Why <laughs> does this get me, like, riled up? Yo, why it, do I care? It really does. Like, we will, if someone says it, like, in any, any situation, any it's situation. like I see Jake tense up just a little bit. It's frustrating. But you'll understand why by the end of this podcast, hopefully, and then maybe we'll be on the same page, you know? Yeah, so let's humbly approach it. So, uh, and Christopher, I'll break this down for you. Uh, this is Christopher's first podcast, by the way. Props to him for doing it. Um, facts. Facts. <clears throat> I think it is really important to have a biblical approach to how we communicate. So when we talk about salvation, when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about all these things, I think it is essential that we communicate with biblical language instead of creating our own set of phrases. Uh, I, I would call it phraseology that leads to inaccurate theology, right? I mean, and it impacts everything. So when we understand who Jesus is and we understand what Jesus has done at the cross, what he has demonstrated as far as his obedience to the Father goes, what he has accomplished through his uh, propitiation for a big fancy theological word or for his substitution, he's the one that does all the work. Now, man has a responsibility to respond in those situations, right? So this is what Jesus has done. What is our response? But our response in that does not put us in control. Our response is a response to the one who has demonstrated ultimate authority. It's not a response of where we have the authority. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so even when we think words matter, accepting Jesus means we're doing something. We're the ones in control. We're the ones with the authority. As if Jesus needs our acceptance. There's a newsflash here. Jesus does not need us to accept him. <laughs> we need Jesus to accept us. Well, we, look at what bring, we bring yeah. to the table. Facts. Nothing. And Nothing. that's what... what so, no, no. We bring a lot to the I mean, table. Sin. Oh, well, yeah. Evil. We don't bring anything good, corruption. good to the table. So, I mean, does that make sense? So we're not in the driver's seat here. It, it's, it's understanding biblical authority of who Jesus is. And, I, and I'll just be honest with you. I think it is very easy to creep into backsliding 
when you're in the driver's seat, when you've accepted Jesus, because what you've done is you've said, this is what Jesus is. I'm going to add him to my life. Not, this is who Jesus is. I'm going to follow him with my life. Those are two very different statements. Does that make sense, Christopher? Right? You're not, you're, you're, when you come to faith in Christ, you're no longer the one that's calling the shots. You're no longer the one that is in control, but it's holy Jesus who is in control. Yeah. That's like a, a funny play on word. Holy and holy. Right? It's W-H- holy and holy. And H-O-L-Y. Yeah. Nerd. It's all, sorry. <laughs> it just. No, he's just being a Baptist. That's anyway. what we do. Yeah, it's holy Jesus that's in control. And then now, what is our response to that? Okay, so now let's back up a little bit. Where do we get, where do we get this phraseology from? Why does it matter? I think it is very important that we look to Scripture. Yeah. So tons of Scripture, tons of Scripture that, that break down what it means to follow Jesus and, and what it means for salvation. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus talking to his disciples, really famous. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself pick up his cross and do what? Accept me? Follow me. Follow me. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Bro, uh, the thing you have to realize too, I think because we are so culturally removed from crucifixion, what Jesus was telling people. Yeah. Like he is saying, oh, it's not the prosperity, like come and follow me and you'll have health, wealth, happiness, you'll be whole. It's follow me and suffer. Agony. But like you will have riches. And what does that sound like? Does that sound like you're putting Jesus into your life, or does that sound like, no, 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 I'm giving my life. Yeah. And that, and okay, so semant- people argue, this is semantics, this doesn't matter. Sure, you may think that, but I am convinced this totally matters because it builds a framework of how we think about Jesus from the onslaught. Yeah, words matter. I think that they carry weight. Yeah. So even minute, like, you accepted Jesus or you followed Jesus, totally different. Totally different thing to accept versus follow. So, for example, I can accept somebody's okay here's the reality my hoa dues just went up i can accept that there was a 200 dollars increase on my hoas but it is significantly different for me to accept that reality as for me to follow that reality me accepting it does not require much of me i can say okay that's what you all did it has no i'm not in i have no action in that situation i'm like well and I ain't paying. Like, yeah, Christopher really understands HOA dues. I know. I know. <laughs> you know the burden. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. If somebody gives you a, a strategy on one of your video games, you can accept their strategy. It's a significantly different thing to accept it versus to follow it, right? You can say, oh, good. That's, that's your choice. Yeah, I'm going to do my own thing. I accept that, but that doesn't mean that you're going to follow through and listen to it and obey it. Well, I would argue, and it goes back to what we kind of were talking about earlier about how. You know, it's so easy to accept Jesus. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, do you want to accept your- Christ? Sure, I'll accept him. Sure, yeah, he seems like a cool guy. But does that mean I'm going to mold my life after him? That's where we lose people. It's like we have these nominal Christians who have just accepted Jesus, and they're sitting in the pews, and they're going to church maybe, but they are not saved because they never chose to follow him. They're so not following him. If you think about it as a house, when you accept Jesus, you let him in the house. When you follow Jesus, it's his house. Yeah. You come into his house. It's his now. Everything. Biblical Christianity says it's Jesus's house. American Christianity and our phraseology says, you're welcome in our house, Jesus. You can have the guest room. And sometimes you can even clean up some of our sin. <laughs> Bring out the vacuum, dust up some stuff. If you want to leave a 20 on the table, I'll take it. I'll take it, yeah. 
That's not biblical Christianity. Again, go to scripture. Matthew 9.9, Jesus passes a tax collector. His name was Matthew. What does he say to him? He says, follow me. What does Matthew do? Did he rise and accept Jesus? No, he rose and followed him. Matthew 4.19, talking to the disciples who were fishing, he said, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Keep it going. I mean, we could literally go all day. Matthew 10.38, whoever does not take his cross and accept me, no, 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 no. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Dude, we could go on and on and on. My sheep hear my voice, John 10, 27, and I know them and they follow me. And Jesus said to them, follow me and lead the dead to bury their own. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on through the gospels. And it's not only in the gospels. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That imitation means that I'm following something. When we imitate something, we're following after it. If you're trying to dress like Taylor Swift, you're imitating her, you're following her. If you're trying to rap like whoever, if you're trying to mold your game after whatever, you're following them. It's all throughout scripture. Romans 12, 2, I appeared... 12, 1 through 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That in and of itself is a perfect runway to say, you are pretty crappy. You need to change. And the only one that's going to bring any change in your life is Jesus. So follow him. Don't accept him. He's not a choice. He's not an option. He's the way. In fact, in Scripture, when you look through the book of Acts, did you know, Christopher, it refers to the church as those who follow the way, coming from the phrase of Jesus saying that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. You don't accept that way of life. You follow Mm -hmm. that way who is the giver and the supplier of life. Mic drop, boom. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. Does yeah, I sense? think, you know, pivoting just a little bit. So let's say, okay, I, now I'm, let's say I'm that one person who's, well, okay, I accepted Jesus at one point in my life. Does that mean I need to like re, like decide to follow him? Like what if I've been, you know, reading my Bible and I actually do what he says? Like, do I mean to question that? What, talk to that kind of person. Like, yeah, I, no. I think that people can easily misinterpret what we're saying here. Correct. I agree with that. Again, there is the reason we're having this conversation is because how we say things matters. Okay, so I, I'm going to cushion this in the reality of when we say that we accept Jesus, we're, we're fundamentally misunderstanding what it means to follow him and what it means to be a true Christian. If you have come to this place and someone said, hey, will you accept Christ? And you've said, yes, I want to accept Christ. That does not mean that you're not a believer. But I am convinced there are so many people who have accepted Christ and their life looks not different than anyone else in this world. And it's because of a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to actually confess of their sin and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. When you accept Jesus, I think you fully identify him as Savior, but I think you completely reject him as Lord, or at least you have an open door to rejecting Jesus as Lord of your life. Does that make sense? So no, I I don't think that if someone has accepted Jesus, they're not a true believer. Yeah. I do think there are so many people who begin their faith walk 
and their relationship with Jesus with a misunderstanding of what they're actually doing, that it brings a lot of damage when things get rough. So when your friends, uh, they're, they're, they're doing things that aren't what people who follow Jesus should do, whether they're watching pornography or whether they're cussing or whether they're doing illegal drugs or they're disobeying their parents or they're disobeying authority or they're just a jerk or they're prideful or they're lustful or they're greedy. or I mean, you build any sin into that. But then they will tell you, but I'm, I'm following Jesus. They don't read their Bible. They don't pray. They don't have a walk with him. I've accepted Jesus. It's that, it's that I've got my get out of hell free card. And, and to them, they're not wrong because they're in control. Jesus is in their house. The only problem with that is in biblical Christianity, you don't own the house anymore when you follow Jesus. It's his house. Yeah. And that shapes everything. Does yeah, that I make mean, sense? It's absolutely. I think, well, one thing when you were talking is I started thinking about um, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. I won't read the whole thing, but the, there's a part of the end where it's talking about what God, what Christ has done to save you. It's not by anything that you have done. It even says, it says, so no man may boast, meaning that I cannot claim any, any like, part of my own doing on what Christ has done for me and his lordship and me following him. It's not by me. I don't earn it. So yeah. even like saying I accepted Christ is putting the power on me. And the shame that comes along with it when you yeah. fail. Yeah, and then you're like, man, I, I can't believe I did that. And there's, there's so much that comes with that, and that could be a whole other podcast in itself. Yeah. But you have to understand that Jesus isn't waiting for you to accept him. He gives you the opportunity to follow him. And if I, you know, 100%, he's, I think there's, there is rejoicing in heaven. Oh, absolutely. When we choose to follow Jesus. But that's what we're doing. Yeah. We're not, it's not something to be accepted. It's something to be embraced and followed. Christopher, you're younger in your faith than obviously Brody and I are. Does that make sense to you? Any questions there? Do you, like, do you hear that and you're like, well. Uh, I kind of, I understand most of it. Yeah. Anything that's not clear in that? All right, no worries. Yeah, absolutely. So where do you go from here? That's the next question. So if we, let's build the framework of, all right, we acknowledge biblically it is not a biblical language to say we've accepted Jesus. It's not biblical because it paints a different picture for most people. Or, or I want to be very gracious here, it opens the door for deception or uh, it lacks clarity. The statement, I've accepted Jesus, lacks clarity of what we're really doing. Mm-hmm. So we want to be very biblical in our language of what it means to follow Jesus. When we, when we come to faith in Christ, we don't accept anything. We are following it, meaning there's something that's changing about our life. In Scripture, we see you're either going to follow the world, which is everything apart from God, or you're going to follow God. And the only way you follow God is in and through Christ. By the power of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can now obey God. There's obedience there. So following him, getting that understanding theologically correct, and I know that's deep, but then going from there and understanding, okay, so if you've come to faith in Christ, when somebody had an altar call and said, hey, will you accept Christ, or have you accepted Christ, it doesn't mean you're not a believer. But also, on the, on the flip side, understanding there are many people who have prayed the sinner's prayer who have just accepted Jesus and put him in their house, they're not following him, right? And, 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 and you may say, well, how can you say that? 
Here's where I get that from. I want to quote Jesus' words in that. He says that many people will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Let me just personalize it. Did we not sit in that church seat every Sunday? Didn't we come to youth group? Didn't we attend the conferences? Didn't we give to the homeless? Didn't we give to the nations in your name, Lord? And what will he say to them? He will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Depart from me, you lawlessness one, for I never knew you. That's scary. Yeah. Jesus would have thousands of people follow him, and then he would preach real truth where he would say things like, deny yourself, pick up your cross. Anyone who uh, doesn't love me more than their brother, their sister, their mother, their father, their auntie, their uncle, whatever, cannot be my disciple. Those are hard statements. And people who were saying they were disciples, arguably people who had accepted Jesus, heard that news and walked away. Yep. And why did they walk away? It's because that is radical. Mm -hmm. And it's real, and it's not pleasant. Following Jesus does not always promise pleasantness. In fact, Jesus would say it <laughs> promises persecution. Yeah. It, the, and I know that sounds like a lot. Like, okay, you, if I'm choosing to follow Jesus, am I just going to like, my life's just going to suck? No, absolutely, 100% not. I promise you there's more fulfillment in Christ than you can get anywhere else. And we say that, I'll say that till my, my face turns blue 100%. because it is 100% true. I have tried other things. Jake, I know you've tried other things. Christopher, I'm sure maybe you have too. There is nowhere in this world that can provide you the fulfillment and satisfaction spiritually and eternally apart from Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And I think that the devil wants to tell you because Jesus is saying these things, oh, that's too much. Well, let's qualify what persecution is when we talk about persecution. You're not being persecuted. You're not just like being trashed on. You're walking through difficulty that is brought upon you because you're unwilling to compromise to the culture. So, yeah. like, make it relevant. The same sex relationships that are so embraced, the gender conversations that are being warped, the transgender LGBTQ movement that's going on, those are directly opposed to a biblical mandate of how marriage should be, how sexuality should yep. be, how gender is created to be. Preach it. Right? Yeah. And you will be persecuted if you stand on a biblical precedent. So does that mean like, oh, my life sucks, I'm not getting to have fun? No, that's not it at all. What it's saying is persecution will come because you identify truth while everybody else is out here spitting, this is my truth, this is my truth, this is their truth. And it's all yeah. subjective truth. It's not objective truth. And so because you stand on objective truth, which is the truth of the Bible, it brings hardship on you. And that's yeah. not like, bro, that, that's not to discourage you from standing on truth. That's to say, man, when you're standing for something true, there's going to be opposition, but you're not alone in that opposition, right? That's no. the beauty of the gospel. That's yeah. the joy that you have in Christ. And the beauty is that we join in Christ in his suffering. Correct. And that is holy. Like, that's amazing. And if anything, those persecutions break our hearts. It's not something that we stand up and argue and say, you guys are awful and you're going to hell. No, it's the compassion that Jesus has for the lost generation that says, do you not see who I am? Do you not see my love for you? Do you not see how you are being deceived by the enemy? It's a, it's a statement 
of compassion. Yeah. And it should motivate us not to get angry and get in fights and arguments, but to plead with people that they might see the truth of the gospel. You know, Jonathan McClure said it at Passion, and I, I love this. He was like, if it matters to us, you have to realize that the people you're riding with in the elevator are going to hell. Yeah. The people you're in class with are going to hell. Like, there are millions of people who are on a path towards hell. And so often, we're too afraid to, you know, maybe get offended or lose friends because that's maybe not culturally acceptable. When we have the solution, we have what would bring them life. Like, let me tell you something. When there is not one time I look back at high school and think, man, I wish I had been more like the culture. Yeah. I can't believe that Jesus radically changed my life. And I, I had so much opportunity to be popular and do all these things. Not one time have I ever thought that, ever. One again, when you follow Jesus, not only does it change who you are, but it changes literally your worldview, what you find enjoyable, what you find satisfactory. Yeah. Like, I got more satisfaction when my friends started coming to church with me and started to begin to get radically changed than I ever did looking at pornography or cussing or chasing after girls, any of that. Like, when that started to change in my life, then I started to value the things that Jesus values, the things that the kingdom values. And that, that's when that shifts. It's like, wow, okay, I see it. One of my favorite scriptures, one of my favorite things about Jesus is that he came not to be served, but he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Like when we read those words from the gospel of Mark, that's powerful. But, but notice, who is life about? for Jesus in those moments and in those statements. He came not to be served. So we, as followers of Jesus, are not to be served. And how do we find served, or how are we served in this world? Honestly, it's self-servitude, right? Pornography, self-gratifies me. Um, uh, I want to be popular, so I'm going to embrace what people say is popular. That's self-gratification. I want to do things that other people say we should be doing or that it's, it's acceptable to do. I want to I get high. I want to get drunk because that makes me feel better. I want to chase money because that gives me what I want. If you remove the I in the center of what gratifies us, we see what it means to be a biblical Christian. You find gratification in serving others. And why is it that way? Why does it shape how we view the world? Because Jesus literally modeled that and demonstrated that in why he came to this earth in the first place. He came not to be served. He came to serve us. The king of the universe serves us. And not only that, he gave his life for us. Bro, when you come to faith in Christ and you're following him, Everything changes. Yep. Your life changes. Your perspective changes. Your motivation changes. What you find value changes, which is, again, to put a bow on this conversation. That's why it's so essential that we don't just accept Jesus, but it's so essential that we actually follow him with our everything. Amen. Thanks for joining us, guys. Um, follow us on Instagram. Christopher, thanks for joining us for your first podcast. Did I hit the right one? Oh, it's not a... What's I don't know what the shot clock is. Um, but yeah, guys, we're going to have many more episodes come out this semester. We're excited. It's going to be great. Maybe some new guests, maybe some students. Who knows? Christopher, so, good job. I know it's intimidating to be on the, yeah. uh, on the mic. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I don't know. I just yeah. don't want to mess up. If y'all see Christopher, give him a high five. Dude. All right. It really is a lot. Guys, thanks for joining, uh, joining us. Sorry, I got worked up there. I was like, I'm so passionate about no, this. No, you're bro. good.
we like it. We like the passion. Sounds good. See you guys. See ya.